Dear listener, welcome to the podcast Holding Space. We are your hosts, Aminata Cairo and Winnie Rosenval. In this podcast, we take you along exploring my new book, Holding Space, a storytelling approach to trampling diversity and inclusion. This book is dedicated to offering a new, alternative perspective on engaging a world strive with questions and challenges. I wrote this book specifically for you, the audience, with the hope that it can be a gift that you can put to good use. We have invited some of you, the audience, to explore some of the chapters of this book with us. What does this book mean to you, to us? What can it mean and how does it translate into action? We hope you will stick around and enjoy these conversations. Welcome to this first episode of the podcast Holding Space, where we discuss and talk about the book of Aminata Cairo. In this first episode, I want to take you in a conversation with Aminata about the book. So Aminata, thank you for being here and thank you for um, talking with me today about your book Holding the space. Well, thank you. It's glad to be here. Yes. So first of all, because I had the opportunity to read all your chapters mm-hmm. um, on forehand. So I'm really grateful for that. But maybe you can take us along in how you came up with the writing of, of Holding mm. Space. Sure. Well, I was working in inclusive education mm. and I had a certain vision when it comes to inclusive inclusivity period, not just inclusive education, but inclusive spaces and what that means. And as I was doing the work, what I was noticing is that everywhere I went, my vision is very different from the standard vision. And so more and more this idea came, okay, I got I to gotta, I gotta write about this. I've got to share about this. And because I was giving keynotes and working with people, but it was just this urge like, to really put it down. Mm. So that's kind of how it started. How it started. And did you have the plan immediately to write a book? No. <laughs> no, you just start writing. Mm. And what was interesting, I wanted to use stories. And then, you know, and then you start thinking about which stories to use because I have a lot of experiences. Um, and more and more as I started to write, it became more and more autobiographical. And that was also, you know, because you don't want to expose people's stories. So I felt it important to use my own story. There's some stories about other people in there, but it just, you know, it just kind of started to flow. Mm. And then Corona came and I had to be quiet at home and then it really started to flow. So then I was really mm. writing. Yeah. yeah, because you you talk about your autobiography. So it's a really personal story as well. Yeah. But what I really love also is that, all the personal stories Mm -hmm. you use in the book are related to the themes you discuss. That's like you, you integrate those like really well. Is that something 
you figured out before or was that also in the flow? You know, so you have these themes that I want to discuss and how do I make it accessible? You know, you don't want to make it too academic and too abstract, but how do I get people to really understand it? And that's through using mm. stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of, you know, and then it just started to flow and then it just, you know, ease, oh yeah, this happened and that happened. Oh, this, and this will help explain this. And uh, so, it was, you know, it was also quite therapeutic because yeah. <laughs> you have to revisit mm. your life and and also the lessons that you learned mm. from those experiences. Yes. Because uh, that's basically what you're sharing. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a beautiful thing in the in the stories. There are lessons in there, experiences. Mm. There are lessons in those experiences, which are easily to relate to. Yeah. Maybe not because you have the same experience, but because it's so human. It's so it's so relatable, and that's yeah. really really nice. And thank and, you. Yeah, and the the academic part because I know there's a lot of thinking in there. Mm-hmm. Like it's not the usual academic way of writing, so yeah. that's also nice because that makes it really accessible. Um, yeah. I think to read and I, yeah, yeah, because you know, especially when I started my academic career, I hated theory. You know, <laughs> it's like ugh, blah blah blah. We have to listen to the old dead guys. You know, usually that's what it was. <laughs> so I really had to learn to appreciate theory and mm. that. You know, theory is really a lens through which you can look at something. It's a way that you can kind of focus on understanding something. And once I understood that, then I I really started appreciating what theory can do. Because if not, then it's so broad. What does this mean? You know, but I'm I'm choosing to look at it a certain way. And so then the challenge is: so how do I still use theory? Mm-hmm. To help me, not to make it dry and boring, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> but mm-hmm. but theory can be very helpful. Of course, yes. Um, and so you know, and so that's that's what I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it worked out well. Thank you, and also to be and to be unapologetic. Mm. You know, because I know the standard academic theories, and and on purpose, I did not. It's not just that I didn't want to use it, but I wanted to use stuff that resonates with me. Mm. So I've used indigenous knowledge. I use the blues. I use hip hop. <laughs> I use, you know, because, and also to show I come from a culture that contributes to knowledge. You know, we're not just for entertainment, but we actually contribute to knowledge. The way we do life, the way we view life, the way we handle life can be helpful. But within the standard academy that's on the fringes. Mm-hmm. And it's cute and it's interesting, but it's not seen as valid. So now I unapologetically use my own framework. Yeah. You're claiming something yeah. without apologizing for it yeah. anymore. But I, I, I hear, because that's what I add anymore, any longer. But right. I don't know if that's also the case with you. Yeah. Um, because when you are raised in the academy, you are trained to fit in a certain box and it's cute that you have all that other stuff but don't use it too much or use it very little or you always have to justify or give a lengthy explanation as to why and then well maybe we will allow it this time and I was like this is what it is deal with it you know if you don't want to read it you don't have to but this is what it is and also because I didn't write just for me but I'm writing for all those people who never see themselves represented Mm -hmm. And for, you know, and to show them, no, 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 you can do it your way. And that, you know, your life experiences or your culture contributes to this larger mosaic mm-hmm. and, and has a right to be heard and seen and used. 
But even those of us who do, we are so trained to diminish it, to keep it quiet. Well, let me just do a little bit of it. Or it's always still in reference to the standard. And I was like, I don't care about the standard. I'm not talking about the standard. Somebody else can do that. This is my thing. Mm. And so that's something mm. that I wanted to share. Yeah. Holding space, taking up space, filling up the space, claiming space. What are you doing in this space? Occupying it, claiming it, filling it. You, with your big butt, broad hips, brown skin, kinky hair, and different sounds. What are you doing here? Standing here, sitting here, laying here, occupying space. Breathe in, breathe out. I hold the space, and not just any space, but I claim and carve out a piece of this larger space that is made up of dominant particles and is totally oblivious to the value of the space that I hold and bring. The space I occupy is different, and therefore inherently suspect and questionable. I hold the space unapologetically, me, with my big butt, broad hips, brown skin, kinky hair, and different sounds. I, who have been overlooked, yet at the same time visible, hyper-visible. That visibility used, magnified, exoticized, ridiculed, admired, and exploited. My being in this space, claiming it, holding it, usurping it, is an act of rebellion. Because this space was never intended for me to be in it. I am here by grace, exception, tolerance, or forced normalcy. I do not belong, and yet here I am. I hear so much urgency in those sentences. Yeah. Um, well, not only in those sen sentences, but in the whole chapter and in the way you write things down. There's so much urge. Yeah. Yeah, and it's because, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm of age now. <laughs> <laughs> almost. I'm, How yeah, old I'm, I'm almost, you mm -hmm. know, I'm going to be 55. Mm -hmm. So it's like the stuff I went through in my 20s. The young people are still going through them. It's like, it's enough already, you know? So I see right now the movement that we're seeing, it's young people. When I'm asked to come to universities, it's usually the young people who are demanding that I come, who are demanding that I talk not only with them, but also with their faculty. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's like in a 30-year span, I mean, still. Mm. So, Yeah, and yeah. I think that's what I meant just a few minutes ago with the position you have at the moment, like yeah. in age, but also in society and how people yeah. look at you. Yeah, you, so, so you claimed it. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, well, thank you. And but I'm but I'm not claiming it for me. No, I'm really no, no. claiming it for them. Mm -hmm. I know. You know, to make way for them, but also to hopefully inspire and empower them so that they can take a stand. Mm. You know, without apologies. And what you bring is great. It's fine. It's good enough. Because people still struggle with that. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, that going. I was struggling with that 30 years ago. Still, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so yeah. But that's also um, a big job. <laughs> that's a lot of work to do for you as a one woman 
party. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I'm at the point now. I cannot not do it. Mm. You know, it's yeah. It's it's like you know. It's, it's once you're on that path, you can't. There's no turning back. Mm. So you you just have to. Yeah. And you know, and um, yeah. So I'm okay with it. It's yeah. With everything that I've been through, <laughs> it's like there's no turning back. No, and that yeah. resonates in in the in the way you write and in mm. the way you you um, well write about all those things. Yeah, that's nice. Thank you. Okay, I'm also curious because you're in this chapter. You're also talking about your newfound neutrality. <laughs> Can yeah. you explain what you mean by that? Yeah. Um this 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 power of the space of 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 neutral and really which is about being that as you are you are okay. And you know and and I think as everybody else I've worked on that I've struggled with that and all of a sudden you get it because we're so trained still to conform and you want to be liked and you want to do it right and that sometimes it's okay you know I don't have to fix it. I don't have to do it. I just have to be. I just have to stand here and breathe. And even when things get difficult, especially as women, um, not just women, but especially as women, we so trained to, we want to make it okay. We want to make it nice. We want to fix stuff. And to not do that mm -hmm. or to leave some room for the other parties to do their part. And I also say, so that's a gift to myself, but it's also a gift to the other person because I'm also projecting that, you know, I have faith that you can do it. Then the other person has to deal with it. Right. Him or herself or yeah. themselves. Yeah, yeah. And and so I, I have faith that you can do it and that you are allowed to do it in your way, in mm. your time, and you're even allowed to mess up. It doesn't have to be perfect. You can be as you are. And so that hopefully that will relieve some stress, but also to get back into this mm. This, this idea of, of just being. Mm. We're always, always about doing or, mm. you know, am I good enough and not quite this and that. No, no, just be, just breathe. Just, yeah. um, you know, and just to take that position of neutral and not jump in right away to try and make things look or, you know, or be a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I think that's a, a nice way of connecting with people. Just being. So yeah. everyone can be themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or themselves. Yeah. Themselves. But it's yeah. difficult for people. Yeah. Yes, it is. And and you said it's well. I don't know the exact words, but you said well. Suddenly, it was there, or so. No, no, no. It was there after years and years <laughs> and years <laughs> of banging your head against the wall and and um <laughs> and making mistakes and messing up and yeah. feeling like crap. And then it's like, but I don't have to. You know, maybe I don't have to feel like crap. Maybe it can just be okay. Mm -hmm. And and so too, it's also about extending grace. Mm. You know, because we can be so hard on ourselves. Oh, if only I'd done this. If I only was a little bit better. A little bit this. A little bit. And you know, just be. Mm. You know, you're fine. You you know, you're okay. So to So it's like I said. It's it, like I said. It's a gift to them, but it's also a gift to myself to learn to extend grace. Yeah. And sometimes the biggest gift we can give also to our young people is to demonstrate. You know, I'm okay. Mm. You know, I'm in a society that says, "Oh, I'm too big. I'm too fat. I'm too this." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. I'm okay. Mm. You know, and this this is how I choose to move. Mm. And hopefully that will demonstrate something to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Because the fact that society has all kinds of little boxes they want me to fit in. You know, 
that's, that's usually for somebody to make money. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I want you to lose weight, buy my product. Mm-hmm. You know, I want you to run faster, buy my training. Mm-hmm. I want you, you know, whatever. But yeah. I'm allowed to be just me and to be okay. And so that's, um, so there's where, where that neutral space Yeah, and I in. think that's a, a really important lesson, but also for young people at the moment, like yeah. with all the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The expectations they yeah. have to live up to. Yeah. You know, and in the work that I do, I'm sometimes really shocked when I speak with young people, how burdened they are, how stressed they are. It's just like, are you kidding me? But not just, I mean, okay, and, and of course I have a, a, a passion for young people, but also people my age. The fact that burnout is like a normal thing, you know? It's like, what do you mean? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, so-and-so is out, burnout. So-and-so is out, burnout. It's like it's a normal thing, you know? And, and it's not okay. It's not normal. That's not how we should be. I mean, what does this say about the lifestyle, about the workload? Uh, and we just take on more and more and more and the demands that we have on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so, so yes, I have a heart for young people, but also, you know, for old people. <laughs> <laughs> whatever all that, people. All people, people, whatever that may be. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. no, but it's, and, and especially in, in academia, you know, it's, 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 there's always, ah, uh, you know, when I, maybe when I have this publication, I will be good enough. Maybe when I've brought in this grant, I'll be good enough. It's like, you're never good enough. When mm. are you good enough? When can you just be, mm. you wrote the book, you know, now you have to write the paper, you, you know, then you have to teach this. And it's always like, ah, oh, if you could have done a little bit more, oh, if, you know, and so there's, so as part of the system it's designed for you to always be insecure about who you are. You know, so you can work a little bit harder and work a little bit more. And I know it's not just in in, in education. I know it's in other fields, you know, yeah. in entertainment business just as well. Um, but it does stuff to people, you know, and it is affecting our health and it's affecting our spiritual well-being, our mental well-being, our physical well-being and how we relate to each other. Because mm-hmm. we're so stressed and we're so insecure and this here person is to steal my place. So if we could just chill out <laughs> and be okay. Uh, hopefully we we do we will do better for ourselves but also you know collectively do you believe your book can help people with that i hope so <laughs> <laughs> i mean i hope so i really like i said it started with this urge that i had to get this out and then that i had to use my stories but i have written it not just so people can read a book about me but i'm really i really wrote it in the hope that it can help somebody, that it can really flip a switch here and there. Yes. Um, you know, and even to share about how it worked for me. And it's it's not like I have arrived by any means. It's it's an ongoing process, but at least to give some insights and hopefully some tools to how, how we do this work. Maybe you can also share something because you're you're talking about an ongoing process, how the process of the book went. Hmm. Well, like I said, I just started writing. And then Corona hit. <laughs> mm. um, and I really, for me, Corona was a blessing because I had to sit still. Mm. And then I started walking every day. And, you know, and like I wasn't even watching Netflix. I was just like possessed to write, you know, any free minute. I just, I just had to write. And I was just writing every day. Uh, and it was just so clear. And then I wrote like 60, 70% of the book, like in three weeks. And then it kind of stopped. <laughs> <laughs> and then you worried like, oh, it will it come back? Because I was in the zone, I was in the flow. But then it did come back. And then it, the book also kept getting longer and longer. 
<laughs> and you were, you know, you were one of, now I, I had a few people that I would read stuff to people that know me mm-hmm. and get their feedback. And then uh, people say, oh, but did you write about this? You really have to write a chapter about this. And it's like, oh, well, you got a point. So then another chapter. And then. How many chapters are there at the moment? Mm. I have to think of this. Okay, well. so so we have the introduction. Yeah, so the book is five three? parts. The yeah. introduction has yeah. three that has always stayed the same. The foundation is seven, seven. that has always stayed yes. the same. Maybe you can tell something about the foundation because that's also a really nice. Because I really love the fact that you put that in yeah. the book. Out of the many ancestors that support my path, there is a specific one with whom I have an affinity. Her name was Paulina, but I only know her referred to as Mapo. She raised four girls, fathered by three men, mostly by herself. She walked with a machete on her hip and took no shit of anybody. When a man got fresh or otherwise trespassed her sensibilities, out the machete would come and she would chase them off running. There would be no need to come back after that. It might explain why her children's fathers did not stick around. She was my great-grandmother. My aunties have compared me to her on several occasions. I am not sure if that has to do with her toughness or her inability to live with a man. I suspect the latter, but I don't mind. Yeah, so the foundation is, um, you know, the people on whose shoulders I stand. You know, what what is my foundation? Uh, who has my back? And, you know, some of those are no longer living, but they they inspired me or they are connected to me. I'm connected to them. So I start with my great-grandmother. And I talk about my mother. I talk about my aunt. I talk about my two godmothers. Then I talk about my father and I talk about my brother. Yeah. And so they each um, have inspired me and I carry them with me. And so that's, you know, that's what I stand on because no matter who you see, you see that one person, they are there because of other people. Mm. You know, they, they came out of other people. They are part of a community. And so I felt very important uh, because a lot of times people see me, but I always say it's never just about me. I'm I'm representing at any given time. So these are people who are a big part of who I am yeah. today. And so throughout the book, you know, I make some references to, to them. them. Yes. Um, yes. That's, yeah. It's it's nice to 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 create a space for your foundation and the yeah. shoulders you're standing yeah. on. Yeah. It's really yeah. really beautiful. So that's the second part. Yeah. And the, then then I have beginning, middle, and end. So begin the beginning has. Eight chapters. It used to have seven. I thought it had seven, so I have to check it again. (laughs) But yeah, it it started out for for the longest it had seven, but Mm -hmm. then it became eight chapters. The middle section for the longest it had seven chapters, but then it became eight. Mm -hmm. And then the ending (laughs) started with 12 and now it has 17. Yes. (laughs) So that one's like, oh, but I got to add this. Yeah. And that's also because of the work that I'm doing every day now, working with people and I'm learning stuff. And it's like, no, I really need to mention it. Mm. Uh, No, this is really much a part of it. And to highlight the end is really basically the things that we have to do to make the adjustments or whatever. And so as I'm doing the work, Mm. you know, it's like, oh, actually, let me 
add yeah. this and yeah. let me add this and let and me now it sounds like the book is 570 pages or <laughs> and it's something not. no it's not it's not it's just you know and it's just 140 pages uh, yeah because my chapters are short and sweet <laughs> <laughs> you know in in the regular yeah. uh it's the the longest chapter is five pages so the average is about three pages three and a half pages um also because i wanted to make it accessible and I come out of an academic word and I love, let me be clear, I love academia and I love reading. But sometimes, oh my Lord, people just go on and on and on. You know, it's not necessary. <laughs> so I wanted to make it accessible. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the things, one of the hardest things I learned when I started with my first master's degree is we had to read like 300 page books and, and write a summary in three pages. Mm. That was the hardest work I ever had to do because it's easy to go on and on and on and on. But can you be succinct? Can you get to the point? Can you tell me what it's really about? That, that was some of the best lessons. I hated it at the time. But all these these big books summarized no more than three pages, yeah. you know. And um, Looking back, that was a great lesson. It was a great lesson. Yeah. yeah. Nice. But Yeah. Because you can get lost, you know, you can get lost if you just go on and on and, and, and just have to wrestle through it. And I didn't want people to wrestle through it. I really... You know, want them to be able to embrace it and to connect with it. Nice. And um, if you have to pick one, what's your favorite? One that really stands, and it's for different reasons. One that really stands out is the one called Cracking. Mm. The Cracking one was one of those that was added later on. And I just had a lot of fun writing it. Holy Hip Hop, then, aims to cause fissures, cracks, and seismic shifts on purpose. They see it as the only way to create new, better stories. For some, the cracks might instill feelings of ongezelligheid and automatic responses. But for those who crave change, those cracks are surmountable. The cracks may seem to reveal our brokenness and confirm separation. That could not be further from the truth. The cracks reveal our connectedness. Like Kintsugi, they highlight the glue that connects us. They highlight that we have a history. And so this chapter is about how you, you know, we, we want to cause cracks. We want to shift things. We want to break things loose. We want to disrupt things. So I had a lot of fun writing it. Um, and then, but there's particularly, you know, some of the ones where I talk about my children, where I talk about my sons, I really like those two. Yeah, it, like mm -hmm. I said, it, it depends on the day. There's one in particular where I start talking about the lessons that my oldest son has taught me. Mm. Um, he comes out of the animation world. And he, so he taught me about the women in refrigerators trope. So in the comic book world, a lot of times a woman has to be raped or maimed mm or murdered and that then becomes the impetus for the, the person to become a superhero, right? So something horrible has to happen to this woman. And so there was actually there was this comic where the woman's body was stuck in a refrigerator and he opens it up and there she is dead or whatever has been done to her. And now he will become, you know, so, you know, so this is some of the stuff that my son taught me. It's like, wow. Yeah. And then, and then in that chapter also talk about, 
if you have three black people in a show, then it's a black show. <laughs> so you never want more than three people. You know, I mean, so he has taught me, you know, so he's brilliant. And so I get excited when he teaches me stuff. So I have one chapter um, that talks about that. And then from there it goes, you know, so that's one I really like. What, he, what did he thought of the book? Did he already, did you already oh, yeah, I've, read yeah. some? <laughs> We have a nine hour time difference. Mm -hmm, I know. So when yeah. I wake up in the middle of the night. <laughs> okay, he's the Samir, one to call. Yeah. <laughs> he's the one to call. Yeah. And then he listens. And uh, and he always gives me good feedback. So it's it's yeah. You know, he's been a big part, uh, big part of this. And it's it's fun because some of the stuff he didn't know about my life, you know, or he was very little when I went through some of the stuff. He's like, oh, I didn't know, and oh, I had no idea. And so so we've had some very nice conversations. Um, but I've even read it to uh, my youngest, who is 16. You know, can a 16 year old get it? And he's you know, he's like, oh yeah, what did Mom. he say? He he liked it. Yeah. He's like, yeah, my that's cool. You know, you know, he's, he's, he's cool. Yeah, 16, you know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, but uh, but I read it to him. It's like, do you get it? Do you understand it? And he's always, you know, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. He he gets it. So, uh, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that's nice. So, and if there, if you if you have to recommend one chapter oh. for the people to uh. read, if they have only like five, no, not five, but a little time, and they can only yeah. read one chapter, which one would you recommend? People that have heard me speak, I always talk about the dominant and the other. Mm -hmm. That's really important because that comes back throughout. So let me pick two chapters. So okay, the dominant okay. and the other. You're changing the the, the rules, but that's okay. <laughs> I will accept so, it. Which, so the title of the chapter is the, the other D word, you oh, know, yeah. so, so that's that one. And the one about positionality. Mm. Um, yeah, the one about uh, positionality. Um Because mm. there's also a very strong personal story mm -hmm. in that one. Mm -hmm. You know, positionality to me is also how we stand in relationship to each other. Mm. Yeah, and I wrote a very personal story in there about, you know, pregnancy and all of that and dealing with doctors and <laughs> <laughs> authoritarian <laughs> doctors and, and, and how I dealt with the doctor when I had my first child at age 23 mm. and how the second time at age 37, 38, or um, when, when, when I last, with my youngest one, mm -hmm. you know, at age 23, you know, when the doctor tells you something, you just say, yes, sir. You know, at age 38, if the doctor wants to act a fool, you know, you can bring it <laughs> because, you know, I know something I have experienced yeah. and, you know, the doctor was mad at me. I didn't care, you know, because I'd advocated for myself. So this relationship that we had, so even though he was an authority, I was not faced by that at all, but that was because I was I was 38, 37, 38. Yeah. Now, 23 was a totally different story. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so so I like that chapter a lot. And because I know in this whole diversity and inclusion thing, we have a lot about us versus them, but I really try to point out that it's just about us and how we are in relationship mm. to each other. And and you can change how you stand in relationship based on your knowledge, based on, you know, um, but that, that you are not separate, you know. Um, so, yeah. So nice. That one. Okay. That's nice. That's nice. To know. So, people, if you are listening, uh, if you want to read two chapters, those are <laughs> the, the two you ha definitely have to read. Yes. But I recommend everything because it's really nice. And, Yeah. It, it inspires me a lot. Thank so you. I want to say that. Is there something you want to share which 
what we haven't talked about yet or would you ask me about the process of writing the book mm-hmm. um you know and, and to me it was it was it was really quite a spiritual experience like i said at some point you just driven like you just have to like it's just pouring out of you and to stay into that mode because sometimes you the insecurity still creeps in, mm. you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to be unapologetic. And then sometimes you're like, oh my goodness, but I know, especially in academia, you're going to rake me over the coals. And then you take a deep breath, let it go, whatever, because you, it's still, that's, you still carry that with you. Mm. Um, you know, and, and, but to stay okay with what you have done, you know, I'm just a voice. And if people don't like it, you don't have to read it. You know, mm-hmm. then it's not for you, mm-hmm. you know, and to to be okay with that. And and so sometimes I have to wrestle with myself to stay okay mm-hmm. with that and to not get sucked into the, oh my goodness, I'm not going to fit. Mm-hmm. I never fit, <laughs> you know, but, and, 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 and even though I'm used to that, there's still times that you are, mm-hmm. get a little bit insecure about that. Do you still have these insecurities at this moment? Because the book is finished now, it's going to be published you're doing it yourself yeah um well no i mean it's it's out yeah <laughs> it's out and and like i said and, and from a spiritual perspective it's it's out because it's meant to be out mm. um you know i was i also know dutch media i also know dutch academia there are people who are not gonna like it you know whatever like i said and then it's not for them mm-hmm. um um and you know so that's that's part yeah. of it and but you know but any writer not you know there's always going to be somebody who doesn't like what you wrote you know not everybody's going to like what you have written so you know so uh no i'm okay, i'm okay with it now yeah um, thank you so much for having this talk it's really nice well, to thank you. talk about your book in this yeah. setting in this yeah. way on uh, on the couch together <laughs> thank you well you know and and you're sitting here now but i know i have called you many a night too <laughs> <laughs> to read pieces to you and to get your feedback which always helped me mm. um to go back or even add some more chapters uh, <laughs> you're my my mm. accomplice uh, in mm. this so but it's it's like the book is done and it's at the editor and now there's a cover. So it's, it's starting to take a life and, yes. you know, there's going to be a song and, and you know, so it's very really exciting. Really nice, yeah, exciting. Yeah, yeah. 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 I so, can't wait. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Me either. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, Aminata. We hold the space for you, for us, for me. Cause we can. We must. No fear, just courage and humility Cause this is about our humanity And when we hold the space for you, for us, for me Because we can, we must Space will hold us up so we can be Just be All we need to do is be And breathe
When we hold the space for you, for us, for me Because we can, we must The space will hold us up so we can be Just be And all we need to do is be And breathe